you would please, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 3. Tonight I'm going to take a unique uh, uh, approach, and I've done this a couple times before, but every once in a while I think it's important that you and I understand God's plan for the local church and uh, His emphasis on the local church. I've oftentimes shared with you that God gives us three things uh, so that we can be stable Christians in this world and in this life. He's also given three things so that the world could hear about Jesus. Number one, the way the world hears about Jesus is when a church does its job. <laughs> when you and I, as the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, keep in mind, when I say church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about a program. I'm not talking uh, about a denomination. I'm talking about a group of called out believers who voluntarily join together to do what God called us to do to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. A church that does not get people the gospel is not fulfilling its purpose. Uh, every church needs to try to get the gospel to everyone on the planet. It doesn't matter if your church is 50 or 5,000, everybody ought to be trying to get the gospel out. Now, many of us have talked ourselves into thinking that church is a place I just go and I sit and I listen, I participate, I'll give, I'll enjoy it, it's part of my culture, I want to keep my kids uh, separated from the world. All of those things are well and good, but a church's job is for people who are called out, spirit-filled, and to go out and make an impact in this world. And uh, it's the pillar and ground of the truth. And everybody, we need all hands on deck to understand that. The Apostle Paul was telling Timothy in chapter 1, chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, he was in jail on that house arrest time, we believe in Rome. He was uh, probably in a rented home, had a prisoner, a guard, prison guard to come and visit him every day and be with him and stay around, probably around the clock. But uh, he was there that he says, I don't know when I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out for a little bit. It looks like he did get out a little bit of time, sometime between his house arrest and his incarcerated into um, the, the, the Mamertine prison there in Rome. But he said, I don't know when I'm going to get out. He said, but if, I, if it takes me a while to get out, I want to write you a letter so that you'll know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. That's what the verse says. And then we're going to look at that verse in a moment. But let's look at it in our Bibles first. Can we please? 1 Timothy and chapter number 3. And we'll look together at verse number 14. And uh, the Bible says, These things I write unto you, hoping to come unto you shortly. I hope to get to where you are soon, but I've got to write it because I, I don't know when I'm getting out of jail. Now, verse 15, would you read out loud with me? But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of a living God. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. What's the mystery of godliness? What's the mystery that the world did not know, but now as we know, is that God was manifest in the flesh through who? Jesus. He was justified in the Spirit. Who was justified in the Spirit? Jesus. He was seen of angels. Who was that? Jesus. He was preaching to the Gentiles. How many of you got saved because someone preached to you Jesus? Yeah. Uh, and he's believed on in the world and he's received up to the glory. And basically the church should be about the person of Jesus. When we have new members orientation, I oftentimes take them through a little bit of a Bible study on why should we be involved and members and engaged in the house of God. The Bible says the church is the house of God. It's the pillar and ground of truth. I believe that everyone who gets saved gets saved directly or indirectly because a church somewhere did its job. 
there are some places they called themselves churches, but you, they've lost the truth. They're, they're no longer the pillar and ground of truth. They don't have the truth. They have a building, they have a pastor, they have people, but they don't have the truth. And every once in a while, pastor and your Sunday school teacher and your leaders will repeat things uh, repeatedly because the truth cannot be lost. The best way to protect the truth is to get the truth out. Have anyone ever, ever uh, had someone tell you a joke and you said, oh, this is hilarious. I can't wait to tell my wife, my husband. I'm, I can't wait to tell my friend. This is so funny. And then you get to your friend and you don't remember the joke. You're like, man, that was, that was hilarious. What was that? You know? Let me tell you how to remember a joke. Tell it. Tell it to yourself in the mirror. Tell it on your way home in the car. Tell it to your friend. Just tell it to the first next. You keep telling the joke and you'll remember a joke. Because whoever does the teaching will do the learning. And you keep truth by getting it out. And uh, that is one of the, the truths of God's word. And I think that church is a pillar and ground of truth. And I want to talk to you just for a few minutes tonight. Why church attendance, church membership, getting involved in a local church is important to you and to God. First of all, let's look real quickly at the passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. Can we go there if you would, please? I'm going to put these on the screen real quickly, but you can go to Acts chapter 2. This is after Pentecost, and the church got together. And when the church got together, a couple things happened. Number one, they were very praise-filled toward God. They got together, and they praised God. Number two, they had favor with all the people. Now, it doesn't mean everybody understood them. Now, your neighbor may not understand you, they may not agree with you, but they ought to have favor with you. The Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he make even his enemies to do what? Now, obviously, Christianity is going to have some opposition. You're going to have seasons where you're going to have opposition. It's unexplained. It's satanic. Uh, that happens. But I tell you, a lot of opposition is caused because we act like idiots. We're too rude to the, to the girl at the table. I was talking to a couple of people the other day, and they said I was with some, another Christian in our church, and they were so hurtful and so harsh in their words to the person serving us at the table, I had to apologize to the poor girl later. I said, you know, my friend's having a hard day. I'm, I'm sorry. I was so embarrassed because we're Christians. I didn't, want to leave a, I didn't want to leave a track with a tip because here we are acting like an idiot and then expecting them to, to uh, want to receive our Savior. If people don't trust us, they won't trust what we tell them. But the Bible tells us they praised God and they had favor with all the people. And guess what happened? The Lord added to the church. Daily, such as should be saved. By the way, if you ever join a church, you make sure God puts you there. If you ever get a little uh, angst to leave a church, you better make sure God takes you there. Every once in a while, folks get happy feet and they just bounce around. And they want to find another place. Well, I'm upset here and I don't like this and this didn't happen my way. Listen, that happens in church. That happens everywhere. But, and, and occasionally, I think God does move people for his own divine purposes. He owns all the flocks of the world, and occasionally he, he will bring someone to another location to help in a ministry. I expect in this church, as long as, we're, as long as we work and do what God wants to do, I can't believe that God would not call people out of First Baptist Church who have been trained, who have been developed, who have a deep heart dedicated to the Lord, they're diligent people, to go and serve in other ministries and get them started or help them. That happens sometimes. But only under the direction of the Lord. Don't leave because you get angry and frustrated about something. Don't let your offenses come in that way. And then sometimes God chooses shepherds. 
I'm an example of that. I was serving the Lord in Long Beach, California, and you didn't have a pastor, and the Lord, I think, made it obvious that I'm supposed to come. And it didn't always make sense to me. I was, my heart was broken and challenged, and Linda's was, and we didn't understand that. We, did not, we didn't want to come be here at First Baptist Church. I remember telling Brother Def specifically, I don't want to tell you yes, because I don't want to be anyone else's pastor. But I don't believe God wants me to tell you no. I believe God is doing something. And I had to explain that to our church family back in Long Beach. It was difficult. But the Lord has blessed now both churches, and he's helped us. And he'll continue to, when he makes decisions, it, makes, it, it works out good. When you and I make decisions arbitrarily of, uh, uh, without God's approval, without his direction, it gets really lonely out there. And you'll find really lonely days when you're not sure if you made that decision or God did. But having favor with all the people. One more verse of scripture is found in, in Acts chapter 20. Turn your Bibles there and then we'll just kind of quickly go through our, uh, our PowerPoint in just a moment, Acts chapter 20. We'll look at verse number 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. The apostle Paul, has uh, he's coming through. He's going back to Jerusalem to deliver uh, gifts from seven of his friends, Sopater and Gaius and, and Aristarchus. And these guys have all come. They've been saved in the Gentile world. They all have financial uh, means. They have money they've collected for one year. It's their faith promise giving, and they've collected that. Everyone's brought it, and they've brought it together with them, and they're all coming, representing their churches, representing the Lord and the Christians that love the Jewish people back in Jerusalem. Paul's excited. He's excited to go there and to make sure that, that he gives their testimonies and tells them all the difficult things you went through in those early days. This is the blessing. This is just one microcosm of thousands of people that have gotten saved over in our missionary works. And Aristarchus, I want you to tell him your story. And he said, I've got a story, but I also have a lot of money here. We want to be a blessing to you. And each of them, his plan was to give them money and to give them. And that's kind of how we have the means that we're going to, or the method in which we give to missions is from that story. Well, Paul is heading back to Jerusalem. And um, he stops at a port in Miletus. It's close to Ephesus, but he doesn't want to go into Ephesus, and I think because he's in a hurry to get back to Jerusalem, he doesn't want to get hung over there because he has lots of people that would love to. He spent three years. The longest time he spent in any place was Ephesus. So he's taught in the school of Tyrone. He had hundreds and maybe thousands of friends in Ephesus, and if he went there, they would want to feed him. They wanted him to stay all night. They would keep him, and he, he wants to keep going. So he does stop in the, in the shores of Miletus, and he sends into town and says, guys, all the pastors, get the pastors together and tell them to meet me down by the boat. They met him down by the boat, and all of them were looking at him. I don't know if there was 20 or 30 or 50, I don't know, 100. I don't know how many pastors were there. But as he stood beside the boat on the shores of that sea with all those pastors looking at him, he gave them a charge and challenged them out of Acts chapter 20. We have a lot of time to talk about that, but... Here's what he told them in Acts chapter 20, verse number 28. Let's look at it together, can we? Follow along. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. So what are spiritual leaders supposed to take care of first? Themselves. Take care of their own personal purity, their holiness, their walk with God, uh, those kind of things, and their own family responsibilities. Take heed yourself. And then take heed to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you an overseer. And feed the church of God, which, is, which he had purchased with his own blood. He said, I want you to take care of yourself and then take care of the flock. 
over which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer. When you have a pastor or leader, he says the Holy Spirit organized that and orchestrated for you to be there. Now, your job is to oversee, and your job is to feed the church of God. That's kind of a twofold responsibility of every uh, Sunday school teacher. You're, 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 you're shepherding that, that class, and you're feeding them the word of God. That's what a pastor does. He oversees and, and organizes, and he feeds the flock. It's kind of like a, you know, a pastor's job is to lead and feed. Your job is to follow and swallow. <laughs> uh, that's kind of a, it kind of goes together in that area. He said, you're, you're, you're leading, you're following, and, and you're doing that. Next, the next part of that verse says, this is a great thought. I want you to look at it again. This is worthy of underlining your Bible. To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. What's the last word? Blood. Now, whose blood came out at Calvary? Jesus. Do you see Jesus' name anywhere? J-E-S-U-S, C-H-R-I-S-T. Do you see it there? Whose blood fell out of the body there of Jesus? It's the blood of God. That's a great verse showing us the deity of Jesus Christ. And he says he's reminding us that it was the blood of Christ. It was God's blood. He says it's his flock which he purchased with his own blood. So Jesus is God. Can you say it with me? Jesus is God. He's not just a God. He's not a one of the gods. No, no. He's not just a prophet. He is God. That's a great verse that tells us about that. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about First Baptist Church. I'll give you five reasons, and we'll pick up this study on another time. But real quickly, uh, First Baptist Church started as a result of a man named Alan Hill. He and his wife came to uh, Ham, Indiana in 1887. And they came in the, uh, in, the, in the summer or spring of that year. They rented a home. They're 52 years old. And they came up from the Coffee Creek Baptist Church. If I'm not mistaken, they were the third family from their church down there that came here to Hammond. It was a hard town. There were more saloons and bad, bad things going on. They had big slaughterhouses here in the, in the town, big two large slaughterhouses. Railroad ties were being laid and, and challenges were taking place. But it was a difficult place. They came. And uh, they began to win people to Christ and establish a Bible studies in their home. And uh, then in November the 28th, they had enough people, 12 people, that would sign a charter. Only one married couple, two sisters, and, a, and, and several single adults, eight single adults, signed the, the charter. And Pastor Allen Hill started the church. He stayed with the church through the winter of that year. And then in April, Pastor Hewitt became our pastor. We have had um, uh, 14 more pastors since Pastor Hewitt. I'm your 16th pastor of the church. But all through its history, 135 years now, God has made First Baptist Church a lighthouse for souls. It's not been a perfect church. You'll never find a perfect church. I oftentimes joke, if you ever find a perfect church, do them a favor. Don't join it. <laughs> You'll mess it up right away. No. No perfect church. There's a perfect Bible. We got a, we got a perfect Holy Spirit. We don't have a perfect church. And many people will use the church as an excuse why they quit serving the Lord. Dumb. Don't do that. But nonetheless, it's not been a perfect church. However, it's been a church I think, I think has done three things fairly consistently. They've exalted the person of Jesus Christ. Not always, but that's our goal. We've we tried to explain the word of God to people. The gospel, one-on-one, -on -one, and the Word of God collectively in Sunday school classes and church services and the college and the schools. 
So we're trying to exalt God's Son, explain God's Word, and then lastly, to share and to spread God's love. To have love in our congregation for each other and our love of Christ that would spread to the regions beyond. And I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to come along with the legacy of this church. It's 135 years. I came in when it was 125 years old. And I love, the, I love this church, and I'm thankful for it. Why would you want to get uh, to be a part of a church? Why would you want to be a member of a good church? Some people just choose to attend church. They don't want to get a membership. Talked to someone today, and they were telling a little bit about about a person going to church for a long time and then they didn't join the church and they had a good reason for it, but they didn't join the church for many years. They attended. I think it's important to find a church that honors the Lord and get involved, join the church, put your commitment here. I don't think it's good to live together with someone who is not your spouse. I don't think you should do it. I think it's adultery and fornication. And if you didn't do any of that stuff, it doesn't look good. It's a bad testimony for the Lord. And if you're living with someone you're not married to, you need to, you need to change that, that situation or decide to get married. But the same is true with the church. I think it's good to get involved and put your life and influence there. Why? Number one, you're saying, I am identifying with Jesus, and I'm identifying with his people. And I believe it's important. Uh, who is the head of the church? Christ. Pastor's not the head. I'm not the shepherd. I'm the under-shepherd. Anyone who's in charge of something for the Lord is not the head of it. He said Christ is the head of the church. And I think it's important to understand that, but when you, are, when you get involved with a local church and you're in it to win it with them, number one, you're saying, I'm with Jesus because he is the head of the church. Number two, you're identifying with the body of believers. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it reminds us in verse number 12 that we're part of a body. And a body, the church, when God says about the church, he says it's the, it's, the, it's the building of God. It's the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. I like the term body because if Jesus is the head, then, um, then the body cooperates with the head. The reason my hand went up is because my head thought it was a good idea. The reason I backed up here is because my head is making decisions. And my feet and my legs are cooperating. And you know, the truth of the matter is the words I'm formulating from my diaphragm, from my lungs, from my throat, from my, uh, my vocal cords and my tongues and my, my tongue and my teeth and, and my lips, all of those are being formulated based upon my brain. And you know, Jesus wants to be that for this church. He wants to be that for you. And all of us have a role in the body that you have is sitting there listening to me. The one I have here walking around to you, there are many members they're very different from one another. A nose is made for smelling, an ear for listening, an eye for seeing, a feet for walking, hands for, for taking or riding and controlling. But, but liver is, is not for that. Some things are very visual that you can see. Some things are covered up by skin. And the same is true in the body of believers in this room tonight. All of us have different strengths different weaknesses. Some of us, we are out in front. If I say the name Roy Moffat, I don't know that there wouldn't be 10 people in the room who would not know that name. But if I say Jesse Arambula, how many of you know that name? But they're in this body. Jesse sits over there. Brother Roy sits over here. 
Brother Roy's on staff and Ben's on staff was since Noah was on staff. He visits, he visits the, the hurting and he cares for them and does multiple funerals every year and, and loves people as an extension of the pastoral leadership of the church. Brother Jesse stands on the street corner and does nothing. I'm just joking about that. He stands with Brother Keith Cowling and he helps with the buses. During COVID, every time a bus would empty, he would go in and wipe down every seat. Spray, the, hand, spray the, 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 the steering wheel. He would wipe in every seat so that people got back on the bus. They would get back on a very clean bus that was been sanitized. He comes and does things that, that, that he's covered up by skin. You don't want to know his name. You don't know what he does. He cleans the buses during the week. He, he's retired at the present time and finishes endless steel work. So he comes in and gives his time to the Lord and helps and does whatever Brother, Brother Cowan thinks would be helpful. But the truth of the matter is, both are important. Because you know Brother Roy's not going to do something so menial as that. I mean, good night. Now he's done that many times. But he's important. The precious ladies in this room who watch a nursery once or twice a, a month. People who are sitting behind microphones and, or excuse me, uh, cameras and, and work on, on the audiovisual. Everybody. I don't know. You won't know all their names. You don't know who's doing camera over here or camera there or camera there. Everybody's important. And God says when we get involved with the house of God, we're saying, I'm with Jesus. And I want to play my role. If I'm just an eyelash, well, be the best eyelash you can be. If you're a toenail, well, be a good toenail. You know, he said, well, that's not very much. Whatever it is God's made you to do, do it good. There are some parts, the Bible says, are comely parts. He said, they're not really pretty. They're covered up. No one goes around. Some might say, you know, oh, you have beautiful eyes. No one says, you have a beautiful liver. I just think it's great. You know, no. No one cares about how beautiful your liver is. Livers are nasty. As far as appealing to the eye, they're not, but they're very nasty. You can't live without your liver. You've got to have it. It filters the toxins in your body. You've got to have lungs. You've got to have a heart. You've got to have a pancreas, so you're going to have issues with your sugar. Every part, even things that are covered by skin, are very necessary to the body. And when you become a member of a church, you're saying, I'm with it. I'm responding to the head. Listen, when you choose not to respond to the head, you're similar to Brother Jeff Marzak, who had that terrible stroke recently. And his body on the, on the left side does not want to work properly. He's been in rehab. He got home today, praise the Lord. But one of the frustrating things is that his left side of his body does not respond to his brain. And it drives him crazy. It limits his mobility. It limits what he used to be able to do. He's going to have to continue to work through the challenges of that. And you know, the truth of the matter is whenever we don't respond to the Lord. When you have a bad day and you don't want to walk with God, you don't want to do what God wants you to do, you're limiting the work of the Lord. When it's your time to take a step and you're not, you're not responding to the head, it causes issues. When it's your time to talk and you don't respond to the head, we got issues. The church is limited. When it's your time to reach into your wallet and to give, and you, God made you to do that and you don't do it, you don't respond to the Lord, things are limited. God wants us to be a part of a church because of, identif because of identification. 
I'll give you one more real quickly. It's a place of, of where we identify with Christ. Number two, we're instructed for Christ. When you come to church, a good church ought to be a place where you learn what the Bible says and what you're supposed to do. I think uh, many times we won't need a lot of time of counseling. Now, there will be times when you'll need specific counseling. But many folks, if you'll be faithful to go to church, keep your ears open, your eyes open, your Bible open, your pen ready, you'll learn more by osmosis. If you just, you just say, you know, I'm going to pay attention. You'll look around and you'll hear testimonies and you'll see people and you'll pray with somebody. You can learn how to pray by listening to someone else pray. Being around God's people, you'll be, you're subjecting yourself to be taught the Bible. You want to be a good wife? God tells you how to be a good wife. We have a ladies' conference. Specifically, 23 hours of instruction on Christian womanhood. And some of you girls, we have to pull teeth to get you to just show up. You could learn so much. With a marriage, a marriage retreat, it's miserable sometimes preparing a marriage retreat because everybody needs to be there. Oh, no, it's just too much money. You have no problem. And, and we looked at your checkbook, we would know you spend a lot more money doing other things that you think are more important, but you don't think it's important to go. And, and there's going to be specific things, two sessions this year specifically on communication. I, I think it's going to be very, very helpful to everyone that's there. Sessions on helping, helping us run, uh, help our children. Sessions on essentials of, of, early, of early love and marriage for our younger couples. It's going to be, I think it's going to be wonderful. A lot of good things will happen. But you've got to be there. You've got to say, you know, I'm ready to listen. I'm going to go listen. I'm going to learn. A church is a good place for identification. It's a good place for instruction. We'll pick up another study another time. Let's pray together, can we?